One was that I started getting started sort of getting the sense that my that I wasn't as creative in my work as I wanted to be. So work started to feel a little bit out of alignment. And then the other was in my personal life, a, a long-term relationship ended at that point. And that really kind of threw me off. I became quite insecure and depressed and a lot of anxiety. You know, at that point, I sort of went back to meditation and it started to really help me. And so I became interested in what was underneath it. Hello, first-time founders. My name is Stacy, And I'm Maria. And we are the hosts of the Dear First-Time Founders podcast. Through the conversations with our incredible founders, we will talk about their journey of navigating the two F-words in Silicon Valley, fear and failure. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Stacey Lawson, and welcome back to Dear First-Time Founders podcast, where we sit down to have intimate conversations with our multiple-time founders and gain their wisdom and insights. Today, I'm excited to welcome Willem Bolt. Willem is the co-founder of Cloud Sangha, an inclusive community of meditators deepening their mindfulness practices through expert instruction and integrating it into their daily lives. So Willem, in preparing for our conversation, what I really loved learning about you was the sheer breadth of your experience and interests. You've founded five companies over the last, looks like about 15 years. You started coding when you were 12 years old. Your interests are so diverse. You know, one of your companies, Rent Method, was acquired by Airbnb, while another project, Child Tuition, helps children in rural villages in India and the slums of Delhi to learn English. You have a passion for coaching, personal meditation practice, and now an interest in community building to bring some of those tools and resources to others. So there's lots of ground to cover. <laughs> And I suspect we should just dive right in. So perhaps you can start us off with sharing, you know, what is it that we ought to know about Willem? Like, give us a brief introduction. It's, it's funny you pointed out all these different things. And I think that really, it rings true. Like, I, I often describe myself as the prototypical generalist in a way. And I'm just deeply curious about so many things. And so it's it's in a way hard to say, no to new projects you know when they come up and and the things you mentioned the projects you highlighted you know not a, not all of them were my projects but from starting a, a real estate company or from building a real estate company to joining this child tuition project these things have just sort of they came on my path and they they triggered some spark or interest and when the time is right i just sort of go for it and so it's it's been that I guess, deep curiosity and just kind of willingness to go with the flow that's led me in so many different directions. And sometimes look back and say, oh, this really wasn't very focused. It could have probably chosen a more straight or a linear path to uh, where I am now. But then you, I also realized that all these different pieces start to connect in some unexpected way. Well, we're very similar in that way. I've never understood when people had a life plan. It seems like the universe sort of unfolds in such a dynamic way. You can never really know what will cross your path. But with all of those diverse interests, what would you say is like the underlying motivation or inspiration that, that guides you? I think it's changed over the years. You know, when I reflect back really early in my quote unquote career, it's always, I find that a bit of a funny word. I was just really interested in 
learning about technology, for example, right? So studied computer science and like, oh, this is interesting. And the internet was starting and we we're building these websites. And it was just fun to learn and understand how that process worked. And then it shifted to entrepreneurship. I'm like, oh, how does how do you build companies and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And then it shifted more towards leadership and organization. Like, oh, well, if we're building these things, how do we form structures around it that allow us to work together towards a common goal? And and how do we inspire people, motivate people? So it, it kind of changes over time. And it just ties back into that curiosity of learning new things, but the, the subject matter changes in a way. And then now what I'm really... Uh, motivated by the underlying thread now is is to try to figure out more about the nature of reality in a way and like what what is this what is it that we're all doing here you know and so in a way i got caught up in the technology first and then i got caught up in the business and the entrepreneurship and then i got caught up in the leadership and the organization and now i'm like wait wait, wait what is underneath it all what's going on <laughs> i love the the laying out of that progression it makes a lot of sense so I and I, I would love to touch on many of those themes as we chat today. But as as we sort of leave your just introduction, I I guess I'm curious if there were if there were one thing that would surprise others about you or that may not be obvious on the surface about Willem, what what would that be as we dive into our conversation? There's so many things that might surprise people. Maybe one, you know, to get vulnerable in the spirit of second time founders mm. is that underneath it all, I kind of look back and like, oh, I did this, I did, did these things. And I hear from friends, they're like, oh, you're so successful, you did all these things. But underneath it all is really also this deep sense of insecurity in a way, right? It's like trying to figure it all out and it's leading these different directions, but really not knowing. And, and so there's that, that insecurity as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. I, I can relate and know that when you're when you're innovating on that cutting edge of whatever whatever frontier you're approaching, that there's that power of the unknown and the, the beginner's mind. So it seems like you've harnessed that in, in many ways in, in your path. So let, let's start. I kind of want to take us back to the beginning of your founder's journey, if you will. What got you excited about coding and then later inspired you to start three tech companies while you were still actually at university doing your bachelor's and master's degree. So you, you, you kind of hit the ground running pretty pretty young in your entrepreneurial endeavors. I got into technology part in coincidence and part being inspired by my grandfather who was really, you know, always playing with the latest gadgets and had these computers and I was just thought it was really interesting. And then it culminated with some people at the at my high school who started teaching programming in this old language quick basic they started teaching it to some of the more junior kids in school including myself and it was really really fun and empowering in a way it's like oh i can tell this computer what to do that seems great and (laughs) so there was a certain there was a creativity with that and learned that i was quite good at it that it sort of it fit my the nature of my mind pretty well so you know i think i was naturally drawn to it it also worked out in a way because Throughout my school years, I was always bullied. I didn't have a large friend circle, was kind of like shy and uncomfortable. And so the ability to play around with software in a way was uh, much easier. And through that, I found some friends that had similar interests and things like that. 
that was how I started with technology. And then the other thing, looking back, I, I sort of realized this now that there's always been this kind of underlying fear about money because I grew up in a family where money was kind of, we weren't poor, but certainly there wasn't an abundance and it was always a bit was challenging. And I saw my parents struggle with it. And so there was a determination in myself to figure that part out. I was not going to face that challenge myself. And so I got my first job in like, quote unquote, job in a paper route when I was 13. That was the minimum age at which we were allowed to start working in the Netherlands. And I had called them up a few months prior, like, this is my birthday and I'm going to, I want to start working on that day. And so I did, I started working that day, started saving so I could buy my computers and all these things that fit in that, that played nicely into the entrepreneurship thing where when I went to college, we're like, okay, cool. So now I know how to write code and I'm, you know, learning how to build websites. Maybe we can start making some money with this, right? Maybe we can build a company around it. And so that was the first thing I started with a friend of mine in, in freshman year of college. And it's it's now an unfair characterization, I think, to call it a tech company just because we were essentially a web uh, a website agency, web development agency. But at the time, that was sort of the thing that was, was to do and then turn it into a web hosting company because we realized people needed to host their website somewhere as well. So it was just sort of, it fit those those themes of, oh, I want to be self-sufficient and independent and here I have this skill that I'm interested in and know how to apply. And so let's go. And it gave me a sense of freedom in a way. It, it felt nice to just be able to, to do that. I enrolled in grad school, but really kind of stopped paying attention to it largely. And, so, and then someone asked me if I didn't want to come to Silicon Valley and start a company here. And that seemed like a great idea. So <laughs> I jumped on that. But meanwhile, I was still enrolled in, in grad school. And I remember at some point, my visa was running out here in the US. So I thought, oh, I need to, maybe I can continue my education here in some way, finish grad school, and that can help keep me in the country as well. So I remember calling my advisors at my university back in Holland. So, okay, I, I decided I want to finish it, but I'm now here and I want to finish it at Stanford. <laughs> he was just very surprised. He's like, we, we don't typically see our students leave the country and then come back to still finish it. So, uh, but, but yeah, that's kind of how that story unfolded. Wow, nothing like multitasking. <laughs> I mean, companies and school running together. So, you know, they often say that our some of our deeper pain is also our greatest power. You know, we talked about the bullying and the dealing with money and you're seeking independence. It seems like those were things that actually end up shaping you into, you know, this intrepid entrepreneur that that has really paid off for you over the years. I'm I'm interested in in a little bit more about the moving to Silicon Valley. So I think that was in around 2010. It seems like to me it must have been a really big leap with a lot of uncertainty. I'd be curious if you could tell us what that experience was like. How were you feeling? What were you thinking? Was that a difficult thing decision to make? And and was there any kind of hardships that experienced in that that you had to overcome? I'm just curious how that was for you. It certainly was a big leap with a lot of uncertainty. I, I kind of took it in stages. So the first stage was to kind of just come and take a look in a way. We were like, we were going to do this company and we, you know, I got a visa for six months to go look around here and talk to investors and things like that. 
and the company never worked out. After a few weeks, I, I decided I, that wasn't the right fit for me. But, you know, I had seen enough of the entrepreneurship scene um, in San Francisco to know that I wanted to stay here. But I still had all my stuff back in Holland. I had my apartment and I didn't have a visa to be able to stay here. I didn't have any money to, to support me while living in an expensive city. So there was tons of uncertainty with that. Mm -hmm. But it also was very clear to me that was just what I wanted to do. There wasn't really any hesitation. It was more there. there was certainly some anxiety in like, how is this all going to work out? And like, how, you know, am I going to be after a few months having to, having to go back and have to rebuild everything and things like that? Yeah, there wasn't, wasn't really a lot of doubt in that decision. Mm -hmm. Would you say that there is anything you wished you had known but maybe didn't when you were starting your first set of businesses, whether it's the, the early ones or, or in that move to Silicon Valley? So, I mean, it's funny looking back, <laughs> it's always, you know, I realized how much I didn't know what I was doing, you know, at the time. So thinking back to the first company I started, just spending so much time on things that completely didn't matter. So I remember in the first, you know, <laughs> that web development, the web hosting company I started, I think I had 10 or maybe 20 clients at the time who were running their websites on my on my business. And I was building all these systems as if I was <laughs> running a large scale enterprise right, that, that would support thousands of customers. <laughs> <laughs> and so looking back at that and thinking how much time I wasted, even the company I ran, you know, before Airbnb, still really not knowing what it takes to to get a product to that scale and what it takes to build an organization around it. So I think at Airbnb, I experienced a lot of professional growth and seeing how to take a company through that phase of growth and how to build organizations around it. And in a way, I wish that I had gotten that experience earlier. So if I had to give myself advice, I would, I would probably say, oh, first go and work at one of these companies, maybe two, and really see what that looks like mm -hmm. and go back and do it again. But at the same time, there is also tremendous value in just sort of trying it yourself, you know, and, and getting those lessons. There may be, it's maybe not the most efficient way, but it certainly shaped me in, in helpful ways. It's exciting to fly the airplane while you're building it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I was <laughs> But not necessarily the best approach sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we can fast forward then to um, your newest venture, Cloud Sangha. Tell us a little bit about that and also what motivated you to start this company. So maybe I'll turn, I'll flip those two parts of the question and start okay. with how I got to it. While I was at Airbnb, I got a lot more interested in, like I said, in organization and leadership and in coaching. I noticed that as I was having conversations with people on my team, I was having more fun having conversations about who people truly were, where they wanted to go, what we could do to help them get there, then about the next feature we were going to ship. And so started developing this interest in, in people, what motivates and what drives people. And so, you know, in that space, it was also came across meditation, you know, research being published about their benefits. And so I had experimented with that a bit, but it honestly never really clicked. I, I still distinctly remember trying to meditate with headspace and after a few minutes you're like i i don't have time for this i need to get back to my email or something right that was my meditation experience and then i went through some events in my personal life 
So one was that I started getting started sort of getting the sense that my that I wasn't as creative in my work as I wanted to be. So work started to feel a little bit out of alignment. And then the other was in my personal life, a, a long-term relationship ended at that point. And that really kind of threw me off. I became quite insecure and depressed and a lot of anxiety. You know, at that point, I sort of went back to meditation and it started to really help me. And so I became interested in what was underneath it. And that led me on some more deeper journeys. I ended up sitting in uh, in shamanic circle in Peru and, and working with psychedelic medicine. This really changed my entire worldview. I grew up in a country, Netherlands is very secular society and highly rational, very practical. And I sort of rejected all forms of spirituality. And so coming out of that, I said, you know, I just really want to spend more time exploring these topics, you know, exploring consciousness and decided to leave Airbnb at that point. And I didn't really know what was going to be next. I might end up working on it. I just want to do something that's good for the world. I said, you know, I'm just going to, to travel and meditate more and then find the answer. The answer really came to me in the form of Cloud Sangha, in a way. I got connected to who is now my co-founder, Rana, Rana Edelin. He had been talking to uh, to Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock about doing something in, around community and meditation. That was the one project that sort of piqued my interest. And uh, when the COVID pandemic really started to take hold on the world is when I decided to come back to San Francisco. And it, one, our conversations had just sort of reached the point where the next logical step was to start this in this community. And the world was clearly asking for it at the same time. And so it, that, that all came together. And so what we're trying to do with Cloud Sangha is really to provide meditators with a supportive community and live expert guidance on their journeys of, of opening their hearts and minds, um, you know, towards our, our vision of an awakened humanity. Yeah, so. I love it. I love it. I'm a longtime meditator, so I can wholly appreciate it. I'm curious what, what you say to folks like yourself who tried meditation during the you know hustle bustle of hectic career and was like, ah, oh, you know, I don't have time for this. I, I can't, I just can't find the time during my day. And the transition that you made to recognizing or really experiencing its deeper potentials within you, like how do you describe to folks or help guide them to into that deeper experience? Have you found any keys to that? One quote that um, it reminds me of one story is is someone asking, hey, how how much should I meditate, right? The answer is, oh, you know, an hour a day, or if you're really busy, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And so it really, I think at the beginning, it takes a while to really start to notice the effects of of meditation on your life in a way, at least that's been my experience. And so trick, I think, is to find enough motivation to keep practicing during that time right? and and not give up. Yeah, what for me was really helpful was to have a glimpse of the end state. For me, I think it was just so much resistance that I kind of needed to break through using psychedelics in a way to see what was there to be found and then be motivated enough to practice through meditation to make that those insights more sustainable. But when I approached it early on, meditation, when I first got introduced to it, I really had no idea 
of what it was really about. I just looked at it more as a way to increase my focus or make me more productive or something, right? It was mm-hmm. like another tool in the business toolkit. And once I was able to understand that there was deeper meaning to be found, it became easier to practice. And how would you describe, if, if it's not too personal a question, but how would you describe what has opened up to you through meditation, that, that deeper meaning? Is, is, is that something you can put words to? One word I can put to it, which is love. Mm-hmm. Right? So the practice, in a way, it's a gradual process that is by no means complete or might never be complete, that sort of showed me all the ways in which I was not fully accepting of myself, all the ways in which that then also meant I was judging others and thereby separating myself from them. And so through the practice, it creates a deeper connection with everyone around me and it leads to better relationships, better outcomes in type of collaboration, more enjoyment in the process and how things are unfolding, less anxiety and encumberment about uh, what might happen or what might fail or life has just become a lot more enjoyable. Beautiful, (laughs) beautiful. You know, in reading through some of your articles and blogs, your love of supporting others, and you, you framed it in some of them as related to coaching, but basically assisting and supporting others in their own sort of deepening awareness, um, was very, very evident. And I'm curious, what drew you to coaching? Um, was it the meditation came first and then the coaching or the vice versa? And how is that kind of expressed in your leadership now, either with Clegg's Cloud Sangha or um, in other ways in your life? Coaching really, um, I became interested in it through my leadership work at Airbnb as I was, was guiding teams and realized that so much of our behavior is shaped by these stories. And I noticed primarily how caught up I was myself in all these stories, right? Of like, oh, we work in this company and here's the things this company cares about and this is what it means to be a good engineer and this is what it means to be, you know, this is a level five engineer and this is a level six engineer. And so my job is to get from level five engineer to level six engineer. And then and at some point I was like, I, I sort of <laughs> tried to, what am I doing? Who decided <laughs> that I needed to become a level six engineer? What is, that's not what I want to do. And, um, and so I started uh, as I was developing that awareness, pointing that out to people around me as well. And I noticed that I was, that I really <laughs> enjoyed that process of, of uh, helping people create that, develop that awareness. You know, the moment where, where you can help someone create an insight for themselves in a way that, that helps them look at something in a different way is a very meaningful moment for that person. And it's also a very rewarding moment if you're able to help guide someone. Yeah, that's really how, how I got interested in the coaching side. And then I thought I would jump a lot more into that. But instead, what happened is that I went on to this meditation journey and and now that's much more my focus 
course with Cloud Sangha, but and so coaching has taken a little bit of a is a little bit more in the background now. So it, it, it's interesting. One of the things that you discussed in in one of the um, articles was about metaphor, and I think it applies both in the realm of coaching, but also in just the process of inner work. Um, how metaphor can help us see through some of the perhaps old patterns or beliefs or other things that we maybe caught up in, like you describe, you know, being a level six engineer and kind of all the rules or or sort of stories around that. And I'm, I'm curious how you use metaphor in your own life, and if there is a metaphor that you would that you would use to describe your your life journey. Beautiful question. One metaphor that I often like using is the one of walking a trail or climbing a mountain. And what I like about it is that you know, we have some idea of where we want to go. We may see some peak of a mountain. Like, oh, that's where I want to go. But really not know how to get there, right? And there might be all sorts of obstacles in the way. There might be a lot of fog that is sort of blurring the way. So that's one I often use. Like, oh, we're we're all just... We're all just walking the trail and sometimes someone comes along and we walk together for a little bit. Maybe they decide they want to turn right and we're like, oh, I kind of want to turn left. And so, okay, and then we walk alone for a little bit again. So the metaphor of walking a trail is one that I like. I've always loved the um, the hero's journey um, and Joseph Campbell's sort of mythic mm-hmm. sort of, um, I guess he called it a metaphor as well, where we also find our deepest gifts in the dark. We sort of go into the inner landscape. And I think that speaks so much to the value of meditation and reflection and and actually finding the deeper essence of the self, what you were talking about earlier of like what's really underlying all of this at the end of the day and finding our place in that deeper mystery. So, well, let, let's move from some of the metaphysical into, I like to explore some of the, the lessons learned. I mean, because you've been on this epic journey of founding multiple companies, exploring, both supporting others through coaching and then meditation in terms of your own inner work, as well as now in your company. And I'm, I'm wondering what lessons you would say from your previous company, from your current experiences with Cloud Sangha, how, how do they shape your leadership and your approach to leading this, this, your latest venture? Like wh- what lessons are you kind of applying or are sort of most most relevant or sort of most up for you in your most recent efforts? One of the things that immediately comes to mind is the word trust. So in leading leading teams, really trust the people to do their best work and to know that they're that they have good intentions. And also to have trust in things working out. As I look back, I realized that the many times during my past work, there has sort of been this inclination to control we have to ship xyz feature by this date and so now (laughs) these people have to do this these people have to do that and that creates a certain tightness that really just does not create the best conditions for people to do their best work and then there's you know there's some anxiety with it you actually get to much better outcomes having a freer stance in a way i think and not being as attached to the original idea you started with so one of the things that as this sort of practice and journey was unfolding for me that started to kind of frustrate me was this all the planning that was going on in the company and the organization to align everybody and I was, 
what are we doing? We have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> and the only thing I know with almost certainty is that whatever plan we're writing up now is not going to work out, right? And so this idea of, of being more loose and, and letting things unfold in a way is, is what is shaping how I do my work now a bit more, while also recognizing that we want to have some, we want to have shared intentions and about where we're trying to go, right? So that we're not running in opposite directions, but finding that balance a little bit. Probably half the people that are listening are, are right now are saying, what, without a plan? And the other half are going, oh, thank goodness, <laughs> relax. So how do you navigate? I mean, I, I, I love this concept because I, I'm feeling this more and more in my life as well. And as a entrep multi-time entrepreneur, having a plan and sort of alignment and sort of, a, like you said, shared intention, but often a little bit more structured than that, how to have that intersect with a spaciousness, with creativity, with what's emergent in, in sort of a day versus like what we thought we were going to do. How do you help guide people to be in that place of trust? Because it's a hard place to be with all of our own inner rules and then overlaid with sort of, you know, expectations around how companies are typically done. How do you, how do you help create a culture that embraces that? Really ask a lot of questions. And so, you know, we have some idea where we want to go. And so giving people the space within that, say, hey, how do you think we should do it? What, how would you approach this? You know, what is most important to you here? That allows me to step back from my ideas about how things should go and see other opportunities. And it also sets that example for others to do the same. And then I think also... There has to be a sense of, you know, if, if you want to be open to whatever arises, you have to truly be open to it, right? So if it then goes in some different direction that is not what you anticipated or things might come up that, that are at least in the short term seem like they are negative to not react to that, but really just respond from a place of curiosity and acceptance. Like, Oh, okay. So now we're here. Well, how, how do we go from here? Right. And, and, because once there is blame, you know, once it, one, if I actually think that we shouldn't have ended up here, I'm going to start blaming people, right? Or even, uh, even subconsciously, I might, I might start having judgment. You have to really come from a place of openness to be able to, uh, to accept that. And then people become more and more comfortable, right? You, people need to feel safe to be able to operate in that way. Mm -hmm. You know, you speak there to um, topics of trust, of, you know, relaxation, of actually accepting where you find yourself as opposed to judging it or uh, as wrong or, or blaming. And these all speak to a kind of mindset as well as just a, a general openness to whatever is unfolding. But what mindset would you say you found is critical for a founder to really build and sustain a healthy organization. Part of our podcast here is to actually distill the advice out of experience to those that are starting this for the first time. They're not on their fifth company, they're on their first. What mindset have you found to be particularly useful as a leader and founder? I think what's really important is to investigate my motivation. I think the mindset that resonates for me, the word that resonates for me here is, is again, is, is curiosity and a sense of surrender 
like it's not the mindset i guess is not that i am trying to build this company and i need to go do all these things and and i carry this responsibility and this weight and then it, it's really more oh this is what is this is the job that is in front of me and i have the privilege to steward this idea or organization or company you know it's not about me becoming a successful entrepreneur or building this into some very successful company but how do we how do we do it in a way that truly brings the most good into the world mm. and sometimes that can be challenging because there's so many conflicting interests right and you're sort of at the center of it and have to balance all these different things but that coming from that orientation allows me to keep coming back to that and simply asking the question of in this moment what would best serve the world i just i love the depth of your inquiry and i mean even just in answering the questions this the the sort of the depth of the reflection before you before you speak it's such a deep place from which i feel you're you're coming and and i can only imagine the benefits of that in you know an intense work place in in a startup company you know that all of the sort of silicon valley norms about like the how that actually is can be completely shifted when we show up from a deep place with that level of curiosity and surrender and openness to what what's emerging and how to respond to it as opposed to dominating <laughs> and and force, forcing and planning not that those don't have their place you know in in some cases but to blend those with a deeper deeper presence uh, so I'm really, really appreciating your sharing. Thank you for that. I, I guess maybe my next question would be then, are there any particular mind training tools or habits or specific meditations that you feel like are have been most useful for you or that you would recommend to other founders as a way to cultivate exactly what you're describing? How, how do they get to a place where they feel as relaxed and spacious and paired to respond to circumstance as as you're describing it's interesting because often at the beginning of the meditative practice in a way the first thing you start doing is just noticing your breath right and mm -hmm. so you develop a certain awareness of what is already there and see that it is always present that, you know whether you pay attention to it or not the breath is there and it's sustaining you so that's that's one level of realization that you can always come back to that place and everything is okay. And then it's a lot of meditative practices focused on or or is yeah, focused on training concentration in a way, right? So continuing to bring the attention back to the breath. And but within that there is the risk, at least I noticed in myself when I started meditating more there's the risk of attaching a certain goal to it again, right? It's like, oh, now I want to pay attention to the breath for this many minutes. And I want to keep <laughs> keep having longer periods of sustained concentration. And I think that's there is a risk in that. And so what has been very helpful in my practice is this, at some point, this idea of, of surrender, that sitting back and looking inward and maybe seeing, maybe looking at the breath, but maybe not, maybe thoughts come up and like, oh, looking at the thoughts for a while and really developing and cultivating this sense of of complete acceptance and surrender to whatever arises, right? Not trying to do anything, 
And so really completely letting go of this idea of trying and then over time seeing that not only is everything okay, but magical things start to arise. That has really helped me integrate this sense of surrender into everyday life. Mm-hmm. In my earlier career, I found that when I, that I actually had compartments for my life, right? I, I, I was starting and running companies and then I also sat on my cushion and I found sort of deep relaxation, insight, deeper understanding of myself on the cushion. But it wasn't always easy for me to break down that wall and express really cleanly and with integrity those same person in, in my work environment. Um, you get the benefit of actually having founded a company that brings those together kind of naturally by virtue of the fact that you're building community around mindfulness and meditation. But I guess what, what, what advice would you have to founders about how to merge sort of the best of their personal and work lives in a way that gives them more joy and more, you know, creativity and, and some of the, the benefits that you've described earlier? How would you guide them to to make that step? I'm super lucky, right? Because I get to work with a team of people who are all living this, right? They're all practicing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting to work with amazing meditation teachers. And so it's it's truly a joy to work in that way. And so I don't want to tell people, oh, you have to do it this way or that way. But what I know for me was very important. and through the course of my journey and became more and more solidified in a way was this idea of complete alignment between everything I was doing, right? So in the beginning it was, oh, I have this job and I do this. And then I also have a meditation practice where I sit for X minutes a day, or I might go, you know, on these retreats where I have these experiences and then I come back to my normal life. And over time, it becomes more and more blended together. So aspects of, we talked about earlier, increased awareness just started piercing through some of the stories that define how people in organizations behave. That awareness then starts bleeding into how I show up as a leader at work. And then at some point, the increased awareness within myself that how I was spending my time wasn't fully aligned with who I truly was or what was really important to me. Then that necessitated for me taking a step back, stepping back from it and trying something new and, you know, finding greater alignment within that. For me, that has been a very natural part of the journey in a way. I'm sure we'll we'll continue. It reminds me of your metaphor of walking the path, right? You just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and there may be little detours and little side side jaunts, but pretty soon the alignment and sort of the the vision of the sort of way up the mountain becomes clear as you walk it. Oh yeah, um, that's beautiful. Yeah, like oh wait, we're not actually heading towards the mountain. <laughs> we're in the wrong direction yeah. here for a minute. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm really enjoying my time with you, and I know that all good things must come to a close. So I, I wanted to just wrap up with a little speed round, if you will. I mean, you're an avid explorer of per, both the personal and the leadership landscape. Um, maybe a few quick questions. So one, what is the most interesting book or podcast or resource you've run across that you'd like to share with our audience? Anything you've come across recently? Yeah, so there's one book I'm reading right right now, which I'm finding fascinating. It's called Resonate, Zen and the Way of Making a Difference. 
It's written by Ginny Whitelaw, who I think she has a PhD in physics and is also a Zen master and describes the idea of uh, of resonance from both a physics perspective and a energetic spiritual perspective. And I find it fascinating. I, that's a gem that I'm going to go for because I'm I'm totally into sound vibration and resonance. And so you've just given me <laughs> my next book. Fantastic. Number two, someone you deeply admire that has impacted your life and a quick why. Okay, so I deeply admire uh, my co-founder, Tara Brock, who is a well-known meditation teacher. Mm. And she wrote a book called Radical Acceptance, which I read during a time of difficulty in my life. And that really struck a chord and helped me understand some of these fundamentals of practice that were that I so needed at that time. I love that book. I've read it and it's beautiful. One last quirky thing or fun fact about you that we haven't touched on yet today. A quirky fun fact is I am a amateur deep house DJ. Nice. And I'm known <laughs> I <love> to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to play some deep house sets on the playa at Burning Man. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Okay. And then lastly, and I've been waiting this whole time to ask this question because uh, I saw somewhere that one of your favorite quotes was by Ram Das, and it says, we're all just walking each other home. And so I would love for you to tell me in a few words, like what that means to you. I love Ram Das, and I love that quote and I'd love to hear why it's your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And back to the metaphor of walking the trail, you know, mm-hmm. What really resonates about that quote for me is, you know, we're all just trying to figure it out. Nobody has the answer. Nobody knows. And for a long time, I think I went through life looking at these people around me, thinking that they sort of knew some secret that I didn't know, right? And that they they had it figured out. They were accomplished and successful. And then at some point realizing that, oh, nobody knows. And we're all just trying to figure it out as we go. And not only that, we are, we really are all supporting each other as we're walking the trail and learning to be our most authentic selves. That's what I love about that quote. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love the, the image of we're just, you know, we're all just figuring it out together and no one's going to get there any, we're all going to arrive um, at the summit. And so the more we can sort of do it hand in hand, the better. So, well, Willem, I I just thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciate sharing, you sharing all your wisdom and your experiences, lots of sage um, reflections in there um, and a deep, deep, I feel, I feel your, your depth. And so I thank you for being vulnerable and actually sharing that with us. I also, of course, wish you much success with Cloud Sangha. Thank you for bringing all your gifts to the formation of community to support the inner journey because we're all on it (laughs) and we need as much love and support as we can get. And so may your inner journey continue to unfold with all the things you mentioned, you know, with vulnerability and curiosity and surrender and all of the sort of deep insights that you're sharing. And may you also have great success as a founder. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Stacey. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. We'll come back with more inspirational stories Friday night, bi-weekly, wherever you find your podcast. And if you feel inspired and want to connect more with our founders, 
please follow us, Second Time Founders, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you, and we will see you all in the next episode.